Today's TrivCast is presented by AT&T. Texting while driving. It definitely can wait. Take the pledge to stop distracted driving at itcanwait.com. And Texas Hospital Association. Accidents happen. Continued state funding for Texas trauma hospitals means you get the care you need when you need it most. Learn more at THA.org. Texas Talking Out. What was that that you said? Texas Talking Out. Gonna hoop upside your head. Texas Talking Out. Tell me who can you trust when Texas Guys are This is State Representative Jessica Farrar, author of the Man's Right to Know Act, a handy pamphlet that's a stroke of genius from the state of Texas. Enjoy this week's TribCast, and now here's your host, Evan Smith. Thank you, Rep, and I appreciate especially you not making a this intro has a happy ending joke. Um, this, I, I just thought I would do it so that you didn't have to. This is actually better. Um, this is Evan Smith. I'm subbing for a vacationing Emily Ramshaw. Welcome to this week's TribCast. It's the third Wednesday in March, spring break for many of you, hell week here in Austin, but with lots of news to discuss and actually lots happening right now as we speak. I'm joined by Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And reporters Alexa Ura. Hi. And Patrick Svitek. Hello. Along with our producers Red Bull Bobby and Two Hip for his own good talk. <laughs> Starting You're to sound like car talk. Is that, is that it? Really seriously? Okay, good. Um, so before we begin, I want to remind uh, our Facebook audience you can weigh in with questions at any time. We'll do our best uh, to answer them. So let's start with the Jessica Farrar bill. Um, I care only about the fact that the reporting of this uh, Bill's existence by our new community reporter, Alex Samuels, uh, generated the second highest traffic to the Texas Tribune's website in eight years. Only the Wendy Davis filibuster attracted more attention Filibusters from, and from the world. That'll do it. <laughs> and like the Davis filibuster, the Jessica Farrar bill is actually not going to result in anything except just a lot of attention and excitement and, and interest around the country. There's not actually going to be any change in policy. Uh, Alexa, as a result of this, she was not serious with this bill. No, I think it was pretty clear serious, from the beginning. Serious, but not serious. Yeah, right, right, right. She right. filed this legislation, I think it was on the dead, uh, filing deadline last Friday. On Friday, right. And, um, you know, from the get-go said that these were really sort of satirical regulations, but basically what they would do is fine men about, uh, I think it's $100 for masturbating and create sort of the men's right-to-know booklet about the dangers or consequences of masturbating and um, a whole lot of other information, obviously riffing off of the women's right to know, the so-called women's right to know booklet, which right. women are are given before they which obtain is required an abortion. In state law. Which right. is required. And, and for whole, a long her time, her whole point been, is, I'm going to see you and raise you, right? That somehow right. this is unfair yeah, I mean, to women, and so booklet, we're going to make it unfair to men. Yeah, raised. this booklet for a long time has been criticized as as having inaccurate information by you know people in the medical community, and she's and Farrar has right. been a big opponent of it for a really It's also long time. been viewed, hasn't it, as insulting to women, as if somehow women find themselves in situations and they need to be told by men right. or by others, you know, here are your options or here's what to do, as, as if they don't know what their options or their preferences are at that at that moment. Yeah, there's been a, a long back and forth over this booklet and, and really just a, over regulations on women's health. And so, you know, she called this a, a men's health bill and... and right has obviously gotten a little bit of what she called retaliation from GOP members on the on the floor yesterday. She was introducing some sort of innocuous lawyer's fee 
bill that had previously passed, I think, with four it no had, votes, and it got like seventy seven. no votes. It got seventy no votes. Just because her name was on it. Because her name yeah. was on it. Yeah, I mean, I think pretty it. quickly. I think it, Matt Rinaldi was the first one up at the at the back mic and said, you know, is this a satirical bill? Um, they were not happy with her legislation. But Ross, I mean, this is. You know. that, that's proof the satire worked. I, I think mean, this know, is the from worst the... thing in politics. You can you can always tell. You know, the the thing politicians hate worse yeah. than anything is being made fun of, um, and but, but people look, laughing at them. What is and, that Al Pacino line from? Why they get involved? The Al Pacino line from Glenn <laughs> Gary, Glenn Ross. That's the way the game is played, Booby. That's right. pretty much. This is it. <laughs> Thanks, Booby. Right? Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, this is the way the game is played. Right. And she brought a bunch of attention to something that would not have otherwise gotten any attention. So she's winning. I mean, you can say whatever she want, whatever you want. She knew this wasn't going to be on a right. committee hearing. She knew it wasn't going to be passed. She made fun of it. She wasn't trying to response, make law. She was trying to make a point. Their right. response to it helped elevate the thing. They helped her along by responding in the way that they did. Right. And, Patrick, the reason that this got so much traffic to our side is because Matt Drudge <laughs> picked it up and because nationally it became a story because the national media and national political Texas, masturbation. Everyone is winning. Right. Everyone is winning. We all, we all win. The best part, though, was that there were people around the country who found— A hundred dollars. Yeah, you're lowballing it. <laughs> that also is probably a right. Yeah, 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 yeah somewhere none of these in there. Intentional oh, jokes. This is a problem. I was going to say $100 a pop earlier and then just right. quickly. <laughs> Matt Rinaldi is going to chub her bill. Wait a minute. Um, <laughs> um, the, uh, the best part of this, though, is that there are people, Patrick, on social media where you've been known to spend a moment or two. Sure. Social media. Yeah, sure. Who read Texas lawmaker files bill to find men who masturbate, and they assumed actually that it was a conservative. Right? The, oh, right? A lot of people on social media were like, an outrage. <laughs> it's those Texas conservatives again. Right? And they oh didn't God. understand that it was actually a joke. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously one of those stories that if you want the full picture, you got to read beyond the headline. Right. Sometimes it doesn't happen in, in the social media. Right. <laughs> Sometimes reading the whole thing doesn't help. Right. But it's, it's, you know, you should go, if you get a chance, just, you know, go to our story, click on it, and go read the whole piece of legislation. It's hilarious. It's actually a very funny piece. But, of yeah. course, it's serious in this respect, that Jessica Farrar was making a point, as we said, rather than trying to make law about the right. degree to which mm-hmm. um, – the polit- a political or public policy universe in Texas may not treat women with respect or not make, may treat women fairly. That was the essence of her point. And then literally, as if on cue, we get uh, a discussion on the floor of the Capitol or in a committee about the backlog in testing rape kits, mm-hmm. Alexa. And we discover that there is a massive backlog that is well beyond the financial resources as the state is willing to appropriate them to deal with it. And so instead, it's floated seriously that maybe in order to take care of the rape kit backlog, we should do a Kickstarter campaign. We should do some kind of crowdfunding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Vic- Representative Victoria Niave from Dallas, she's a freshman lawmaker, introduced a bill that would basically let Texans donate at least a dollar when they go and renew their driver's license toward this fund that would help um, – pay for the actual testing of rape kits there you know in 2011 there was this massive backlog of rape kits lawmakers added some money in 2013 to deal with that but since then there are you know thousands of untested kits and lawmakers really are unwilling to put any money toward that and you know rape kits are sort of it's a pretty invasive process but in a lot of cases it's what leads to catching 
people who rape women, you know, and, right. or and, 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 and to exonerating people who were accused wrongly. Right, what, exactly. What the politics of this, Ross? How can how can somebody be against testing rape kits? Is there a way to be to, to Nobody has say, said I'm against I'm testing rape kits. Testing it's just rape they kits? haven't put the money in to, to yeah, do the it. The amount I mean, of money to do it is not all that much compared to a number of other things that we spend money on. I mean, you, your budget right. is your moral document. It tells you about your priorities. Well, and they came well, in a few years about, ago to, Go ahead. I was just going to say, we've talked about the Rainy Day Fund and lawmakers saying, well, we're willing to we're willing to dip into it if it's for a one-time expense. Wouldn't I mean, you testing make... rape kits qualify as one-time? Well, they did a one-time you, thing you, earlier you think... where they said yeah. the the backlog rape kits, they did this a couple of years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Backlog rape kits, take care of those, here's the money for that. But they didn't take care of funding for it going forward, so now we've got another backlog. Right. I mean, in some ways, the the bill to crowdfund the, the testing of rape kits is the one that sounds like the satire. Right. I mean, as much as as much as the first bill, it is well, it's sort of like this is what it's come to. It is weird for the Texas legislature not to fund a crime fighting piece of legislation that affects it, it seems half their somehow votes. out of sync with the. It's just, you know, it's just never been right. presented to them like in that way. And I think, you know, most legislators, if you just did a straight up fund it or don't, they'd say fund it. Right. I mean, that's a crazy vote. But when it's buried in the budget, you can bury all kinds of things in a budget. And you end up voting for a budget that, you know, I like parts of it, I don't like parts of it. This is one of the parts that maybe they don't like. It's just never right. become a big priority for the people writing the budget or a big enough priority for them to actually fund it. Well, and we should point out that the money that is expected to be generated from this sort of crowdfunding um, program would still be less than what lawmakers actually put into dealing with the backlog in 2013. And it's, a, it's another thing that makes right. the point without necessarily solving right. the problem. Well, uh, both of these, the, the Farrar bill, which is legitimately satire, and the Niave bill, which addresses a problem that is in no way funny and is not satire, both get to, out in the world, as we talked about on social media, the reputation of Texas, mm -hmm. how people outside the state view Texas. This week we had a serious movement on the bathroom bill, SB6. Mm -hmm. Um, that is, in some respects, another. <laughs> what was that? Oh, Todd's serious, serious, serious movement. Serious I think everything's a joke. On the no, no, I wasn't. Stop. It is now. Just can't focus bathroom on the issues. Movement. Sorry, bathroom humor follows go, bathroom. Go back to producing <laughs> the Tribcast. Was, you know, uh, we had serious movement on the tri on the bathroom bill, and the reality is that that bill is as much about the reputation of Texas out in the world. It's become a, a, a way that people are looking at the state, Patrick, as much as it is serious legislation. And the, this, the vote itself was not a huge surprise, right? It was a, it no. was it was twenty one to ten. Yeah. All twenty Republicans plus Eddie, Eddie Lucio. Lucio. To my mind, the big news was that Kel Seliger, who I wondered what he would ultimately do, you know, in the end sided with his. Yeah, I mean, I think Seliger's vote was if there was any remaining suspense yesterday, that was it. That whether was what he was, was left, he right? was the yeah, last Republican would... standing. Exactly. Sort of in... And in fact, the amendments in most cases all went down either twenty one ten or twenty. 11 right uh the bill is basically as is there's very, very little very little difference between yeah. the bill pre-amend and post-amend they made a couple of tweaks which really don't change um sort of the the heart of the bill and you know the the bathroom regulations remain and it was you know it was interesting though at, at one point they you had republicans and, and senator Colker saying this isn't about transgender people this isn't what this bill is about um but then there was an amendment to exempt transgender individuals from the birth certificate part of the bill and, and that was knocked down and then there you know at one point she said that the blurring of genders 
was detrimental to women's rights. And so they've, for a long time, they've sort of pushed this, it's not about transgender people, it's about safety. And you kind of saw that message, maybe not, they didn't stick to that message as strictly yesterday when they when this finally got to definitely the, uh, to the right. floor. Well, in fact, Joan Huffman at one point, uh, Patrick, yesterday said on the floor of the Senate, um, to the degree that this bill has become known as a bill about transgender discrimination, it is the media, she specified, that has been pushing this narrative. She basically blamed us. We're, what does she we're, think we're the narrative convenient, should be? We're pretty convenient if foils the, for the everything these days. If the narrative was women's safety, they would regulate all bathrooms. They would regulate private facilities. Instead of just a small little subset of, of bathrooms. You know, yeah. only public bathrooms and um, most of the public bathrooms are not publicly owned, they're privately yeah. owned, and those are unregulated. So but, why aren't women safe in most bathrooms by this bill? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> well, and in fact, I believe there was one amendment, at least was there not yesterday, Patrick or Alexa, yeah. there was at least one amendment yesterday that sought to extend the protections offered in this, in this bill clear that to, safety private, is not what it's to about. private facilities as well, and that was voted down. Am I remembering that correctly? That was something that came up? Uh, I, I don't know if that was the specific amendment, but that's definitely been the argument well, Jose Rodriguez may have introduced yeah. something as an amendment. I, was, I may be wrong about that. I was going to ask you, Alexa, because I think you followed the amendments a little close, more closely than I did. When Lucio came out in support of the bill, obviously that was politically uh, perilous in, in some regards for him. He pledged that he would use, he would leverage his support to improve the bill mm -hmm. and make it better. Which, what did he get yesterday? Well, so in the during yeah. the marathon committee last week, which I was just waking up from a week ago, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, he said he wanted to include some hate crime language and making sure that trans kids weren't discriminated against in this process. But his two amendments that passed yesterday, he had a couple that, that didn't get accepted, but the two that passed changed the age that ch the maximum age for children who go into bathroom with a parent from 8, from to, eight 10. to 10. Right, right. Yeah. And then and the other amendment was also so that if someone complains about an entity's bathroom policy, that that would have to be a sworn affidavit to sort of, you know, make it a little bit tougher for someone to do that so that people aren't just sort of throwing these complaints around. Right. But basically yeah. yesterday went as expected, right? There was not an enormous amount that went, Patrick, very differently from what we expected. I don't think so. And as we, I think... Um, at least I've said on the Tripcast before, I think for Dan Patrick, now it's all political upside from here. I mean, well, the I only... think he wins even if he loses. Exactly. When he yeah. represented, right? You know, yeah. so. The only potential and political uh, embarrassment that we've discussed on this uh, Tripcast for him is, has been if he could not get it out of the Senate, obviously he was able to do that. Right, right. Right. And, and, and the fact is, the, um, the tension between the House and the Senate, which you've written about extensively, and in fact, you have a little story up about today, comments that Patrick made saying that Strauss uh, doesn't respect the voters, the will of the voters. Yeah, which is, right? which is I, that, that comment this morning, I think, is um, I think uh, out of tune. telling because, uh, that, you know, the idea that Strauss is out of touch with the voters, which has been made by conservatives and, and Dan Patrick in the past, um, that gets the central kind of irony between a lot of the criticism of Strauss, which is that he is out of touch with this kind of statewide pool of voters. Obviously, the lieutenant governor is elected statewide. Speaker Strauss is, you know, at the end of the day, just responsive to a House district in the San Antonio although, area. Although, although, although and he the leads, but he leads the oh, House. Yeah, yeah, but he represents the members. members. Yeah. And the question yeah. is, and we don't yet know this, Ross, right? If this bill bypassed the – well, whatever committee it goes to, state affairs. If it bypassed the committee – A substantive committee and then calendars. If and then it the bypassed floor. the mm -hmm. committee and went right to the floor of the House today, would the votes necessary to pass this bill be there? You know, I don't know exactly what would happen, but the process is designed, designed and so is the Senate process designed – 
to only get things to the floor if the members want to vote on them. You know, even after they changed the two-thirds rule right. in the Senate, they still have a 60% rule. And if you don't have 60% of the senators saying, I want to vote on that, right. you can't get to the floor. But there the is House no has such a different rule. mechanism, no but it's the same rule, thing. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I still think that the issue here is that there are, in Texas, at least two Republican parties. There's two big parties. And I this think is that, a column you wrote about this week, that the two Patrick parties are at war. And I think Strauss pretty right. faithfully represent those parties. I think when, when Dan Patrick says Joe Strauss isn't in touch with the voters, I think what he really means is Dan's, you know, I think what he's really saying is Joe Strauss is not really in touch with my voters. I think yeah, that's Patrick is arguably yeah, yeah. not in touch with Joe yeah, Strauss's that's a little voters. More I think there's a, they represent different parties within the GOP. And, and right. I think they both faithfully pretty much represent them. Now, in this case, Joe Strauss, Alexa, is in touch with at least one segment of the population, and that's the business community. To the degree that the business community has weighed in on this, the mm -hmm. business community has been opposed to SB6. There was some controversy over the numbers that they put out as part of uh, an analysis of what the consequences of this bill would be. They got slapped down by, in succession, Gardner, Selby, and PolitiFact on the one hand, and Republicans in the Senate on the others, uh, on the other, who, you know, I think together said that there was some question about the accuracy of the numbers that were put out. But then they came back around right. and did another release, I think, over the last day or two, in which they identified uh, consequences so far, right? They did a calculation of what it had been. Yeah, so I mean, far. we've heard from tourism during the the marathon hearing. We representatives for the five biggest cities, the tourism officials, all showed up and said we oppose this. These, are, this is how many like organizations we've heard from that are reconsidering their conventions. This is how much that would cost, and they're all in opposition. And I think that the argument, you know, they've, there's been the sort of this back and forth over this TAB study and you know some of the issues that were identified in the study but what people are saying is this is still going to cost us money right. and republicans have sort of said well that's like a tiny amount of the money that in this in the texas economy economy anyway but you know for folks in these cities we're talking about millions of dollars and that's sort of what they've reiterated to lawmakers and and really what sort of strauss has held on to in his opposition you know we're hearing right. from businessmen and not just the tourism people but companies that are major companies in texas that are also coming out against the legislation. the argument has been that companies patrick might not relocate here the argument is that they might have a hard time recruiting millennial employees to come to texas to work for them mm -hmm. if they are here or if they come here there's of course the questions about the sporting uh, venues yeah. and you know what I, I saw Kelly Hancock yesterday, the senator, Republican senator from uh, Richland Hills, uh, North Richland North, Hills. North Richland Hills. Sorry, I don't want to just offend, plain old Richland. I don't want to offend North the people Richland. of Richland Hills. South by Richland Hills. Yeah, right. East West. Um, he said basically, so the only anti-bullying law we're going to pass in the state doesn't apply to sporting leagues. Yeah, it was sort of the <laughs> yeah. paraphrase of his tweet yesterday. So they, I mean, this is these are all. And I saw you you responded to this as I noticed it yesterday too. That when Paul Betancourt got up on the floor of the Senate yesterday, he sort of mocked the TAB, the business community, for their revised numbers, yeah. he incorrectly said that they had revised their projection. In fact, what they were talking about yesterday was not a projection, it was actual consequences. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily an apples-to-apples -apples comparison. What I found interesting, uh, yesterday on the floor, Lois Kolkor said uh, she, she was specifically asked about some of these threats, uh, just threats in general for businesses to leave the state, right. conventions not to bring their business here, and she said, I believe these threats are real, mm -hmm. which, again, is interesting messaging considering Dan right. Patrick has, you know, in the past said he wants to call the bluff of all these businesses and says, you're not, re you're really not going to pull well, out of Texas. Well, Patrick, whether, Patrick has yeah. also said, you know, it's worth it. You know, the, the lieutenant, exactly. governor from, yeah. right. lieutenant governor from North Carolina 
who's also a Dan, I can't remember his last Foster. name. Dan Forrest. 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 Came down and said, um, and got fact-checked by the North Carolina version of PolitiFact, said, you know, this is a, a smidgen of our economy. It's 0.1% of our state product, our state gross product, that's been affected by this. And PolitiFact North Carolina said, yeah, that's right. It's $510 million. Right. Which is, so, you know, you can take that as a big number or a little number. You can decide that's big or small. <laughs> and what what... TAB did in their letter was extrapolate that, you know, well, their economy is this size and it was 510. Our economy is right. that size. So we're over a billion kids. Yeah. yeah. And Dan, Dan Patrick and his team promoted the fact check of the right. they Dan Forrest. But then again, I, I thought that me, right. the price didn't matter. I, right. You know. Alexa, we have a question from Janice on Facebook that I think gets to a big topic of conversation on the floor yesterday, and that is enforcement. Mm -hmm. Janice asks, how will this bill be enforced? In fact, that came up Time and again yesterday. Yeah, it was really potty police. Yeah, it was it was police. really interesting to hear how, you know, in the questioning, Senator Colcourse would say this creates this is the same as a misdemeanor and trespassing, but the legislation does not actually have any criminal penalties. The way it works is well, it did it, have it and it was stricken and the revised. But they right? weren't they weren't new criminal penalties. They were escalated. They were escalated. Right. But the way the legislation works is that if you are say in a school and you suspect that someone is going to the bathroom of the opposite quote, biological sex, then you, you're you supposed to tell the school that they're violating SB 6. If the school doesn't change it, then you file a complaint to the Texas Attorney General's office, and then they investigate that complaint and decide whether they are going to, and then they tell the school, you have to fix this, and here's the fine, here's how much we're going to fine you between 1000 to, I think, $10,500 right. per day that you are violating this policy. And then they give them 15 days to fix that. So really, they're there's no sort of potty police in the way um, people have thought, but it, no it sort of no. <laughs> it sort of gets to the question about you know if if this is such a big priority and you're trying to deter all of this, what is you know how are you expecting this to even be enforced? Right. Are are you passing something that's not even actually going to keep people from going into the opposite? Well, and part, and part B, Ross, is that some of the conduct that is going to be. Um, a, a part of this conversation inevitably is stuff that is already illegal, right? right. There is already law right. on the books. Yeah, there. So Houston, Houston is one of the only cities that has a sort of a specific ordinance saying men cannot go into women's restrooms. But period, there, Without, period. regardless right. of what they do once they get there. Right. right. But there. But the argument has been, you know, there are all these other laws that sort of govern things that could happen in a restroom that already make yeah. the some of the concerns that Republicans have said are that are key to this bill. They already make those illegal. Well, and in fact, I thought it was interesting that Senator Bob Hall from North Richland Hills, that was a joke, yeah. um, yesterday joke, said, I thought curiously said, that by not passing SB6, we would be effectively creating crime-free zones in bathrooms. That's I, not right. I don't think no. that's, there's any possible way that that can be correct. Right. right? No, and, and I think, you know, it's interesting because like I said, there aren't any actual criminal penalties in the legislation. Someone who goes into the bathroom that they're not supposed to under SB6 doesn't actually face any sort of fine. And so that was sort of one of the big sticking points for Democrats, I think, where they were saying, you're trying to keep men out of women's restrooms, but you're not actually going to... They, have, they face no consequence if they do under this legislation. Right. So what happens now? Uh, this bill will be voted on as we sit here today, Wednesday. It goes to third reading. It's voted on again. That's a formality. 
Right. Ross it's out. It's on its way to the House. Calls the House now. gets the bill. They receive it, and they refer it to a committee. The general assumption is that it's going to go to the State Affairs Committee, but it doesn't have to. Right. You know, you could send it to criminal justice, or you could send it to public health, or you could right. send it to, you know, you could send it to any right. number of committees. And the chairman of the State Affairs Committee, let's stipulate, Byron is, Cook. is Byron. The Senate has been all up in my business, Cook. <laughs> For two years or four years or six right. years. Cook. I'm sure he's really happy to unwrap a present with Senate <laughs> wrapping paper on it. So it goes to a substantive committee, probably that one. And right. that committee holds hearings and either passes it out or does not. My bet would be on the latter right now. You know, things can change you during the session. You're, you're predicting, as you sit here today, that it goes to the State Affairs Committee and it is um, it falls between the two cushions of a couch. I think here's the freeze. I think, you know, Joe Strauss laid down the freeze in a speech to the Texas Association of Business several weeks ago. Patrick and I were there, and he said, you know, it would help to have the governor's position on this. The governor hasn't taken a position on this. And that makes it easy for the House to say we're waiting for the governor. The lieutenant governor, Patrick, would say, no, the governor has taken a position on it. He's been up in the NFL's grill, and he's been up in the NBA's grill, and, and that's, that that amounts to a position. Isn't um, that what the lieutenant governor I think in the view of some bathroom bill supporters, they, yeah, they absolutely view Abbott as on their side, given his remarks on the NFL. I just like to hear him say the words, Houston. I'm for this bill. It would be um, interesting for him to say those words. Pass, I'm for this well, bill. Well, I think that's what, right, exactly. I think that's so what folks are until looking he, for. Until he because does he or said doesn't. it on school choice, and he said it on sanctuary cities, right. why not say the words on this bill? Right. Until he does words. or does not say that, right. the House is safe waiting. And, you know, if he doesn't say anything, I think it dies in that committee. It could then die, you know, if it gets out of that committee, it goes to calendars, you know, which is a famous burial ground in the Texas House. Right. That's the committee that sets the agenda for the House. And nobody has to explain what happens in there. It's a big black right. box. And the bill may never come out. It may come out on the last day's calendar as number 435 in the list of 600 bills yeah. up for consideration in eight hours. And, well, that's what happened last you know, year with one right. of the abortion bills. And Brian Cook and Stickland almost so, got in a fight. I think the, right. I think and the, the House guys at, point, at this point, Alexa, then, like last year, the House guys shrug and they go, oh, we ran out of time. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. To, to steal a word from the Speaker, the urgency in the House right. is low. I just think they're not going to go. Strauss said this weekend in, in an interview <laughs> with Time Warner like. that uh, not, only, he, not only did he reiterate the bathroom bill is not a priority for him, but he is putting the budget ahead of acting on on Abbott's three remaining emergency items. And he's actually throwing a little shade in the direction of the Senate saying, where's your budget, buddy? Because there's been this this playground talk (laughs) of the Senate might hold the budget. It's a tiny little umbrella. (laughs) (laughs) Joe Strauss has the tiniest, (laughs) it's it's a cocktail umbrellas version of shade. Right. By the way, Jason Embry, that was an off-the-record observation. We've had this conversation about this playground talk that the Senate might hold the budget. Yeah hostage until they get a vote that they want on, you know, the education savings accounts, as vouchers are called this time, Correct. or, you know, whatever. And if Strauss changes the order in the House and says, you know, well, we're not going to do the governor's priorities until we do the budget, then he puts some pressure on right. this thing to, you know, let's get the budget out of here so you can get to the governor's priorities. Let me, uh, yeah. I'm going to call an audible. Uh, I want to move quickly from the bathroom bill, a bill that may not pass, to the Affordable Health Care Act in Washington, which was not on our list of things to talk about, but I, I'm seeing a, a, a jaunty exchange between Patrick Svitek and Catherine Frazier, Ted Cruz's <laughs> person on, on the Twitter about this, um, from one bill that may not pass to another bill that may not pass. Um, Patrick, we're in the state that has the most people without health insurance of any, both the raw number and the sure. percentage of our citizens. It dropped over the last seven years, not because of the Affordable Care Act, but despite the fact that we hated on it from the beginning to its near end. Um, and I'm wondering what you think about the politics of the Affordable Health Care Act 
as it relates to Texas. We do not yet know whether this bill will, will pass the House or yeah. the Senate. Senator Cruz has not full-on embraced this bill, has he? No, he hasn't. And I think if you followed his public statements over the past several days, he's gotten even more critical, especially in light of this CBO score. Um, that came out, I think, two days ago. C CBO, let us stipulate that yeah. the CBO is the LBB of the United <laughs> States. We like it when it suits our interests, well, and an we hate it when it doesn't. Has They're both agencies set up by legislatures yeah. to get real numbers on things people are arguing about. And when they don't agree with the numbers, they attack the agencies. Yeah. Bureaucrats. It's bureaucrats. bureaucrats. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, and Cruz's dilemma is that he's trying very, very hard in these early stages of the Trump presidency to, to work to be Trump's number one conservative ally in the Senate. And oh, yet, oh, oh, has he? I think he's working to at least create that appearance. Um, I might respectfully disagree with you that <laughs> Ted Cruz has been working to be Donald Trump's well, he's number trying one to, ally. He's trying to look as much of a team player as he possible. He also has a cocktail umbrella and worth so of he shade is. he has thrown <laughs> at Donald Trump. <laughs> and that, but that's coming despite the fact that pretty much every conservative group, every conservative figure right. that Ted Cruz has ever aligned himself with hates this health care uh, plan that's been put forward by House right. Republicans. And so Ted Cruz is obviously caught in the middle of trying to appear to be a Trump ally in the Senate and leading the fight on this in the Senate. But and Ted, then also Ted, Ted Cruz has been the instincts. guy who more than anybody in Congress has been attempting to get the Affordable Care Act repealed. Exactly, yeah. There's and for him to say, there. great, I've succeeded at repealing it, but I've repealed it and replaced it with this, something that he clearly does not support substantively in every way that it is laid yeah. out. I mean, to me, it's, it'd be like a— Is that another way of saying he doesn't support it? Well, I no, think he doesn't support I think there it, are aspects— No, but I think there are aspects of it probably that he's— He's good with, but it's not the bill that he would. In the in the end, yeah. if he had designed this, it wouldn't have been this. Yeah, I think yesterday, right? in the light of the CBO score, he said something like, "This bill does, you know, not reflect the mandate, you know, voters have given us to to unwind and, and replace in some way." This which one. would be worse for the Republicans? Which would be worse for Texas Republicans? Yeah. If they have no replacement bill at all, they pull this thing down and, and does, do what the president alluded to, the next step in this process. We're going to let the Affordable Care Act collapse of its own weight and then have that be the end of it. Or if they attempt to get this bill passed and it fails, if, if the Republicans do not uh, uh, ultimately have the votes to Is pass it popular it. with voters when the Texas Republicans go to the polls in 2018? Really, that's the question in the yeah. state. Yeah. Is does the Do the administration in Congress pass legislation or get rid of legislation in a way that makes the voters happy when they go to the polls for the midterms or unhappy. Yeah. And the whole statewide, you know, roster is up for election then and all of the House and half of the Senate. So the other piece of this that's important is what does Congress do with Medicaid and does Texas get block grants? And it may be that you get something Texas Republicans don't very much like in place of the Affordable Care Act, but at the same time you get block grants for Medicaid that they've been fighting for for a long, long time. And I think they'd love that result, well, at least love half of it. But just going back to your, you know, what do the voters in Texas want? I think there's also a difference between the voters and the people who might end up uninsured because of everything going on in D.C. Right. Well, those people, people who aren't necessarily the same. The polling is that they hate Obamacare. The polling is that they hate Obamacare, but they like a bunch of provisions well, of it. But Alexia is making a very smart point. The people who are apt to be most affected by this, you can say reasonably likely, are not voters. Historically, they are not people. On, who on the turn other hand, out. if the analysis of this bill is correct, the people who are going to be most materially affected by this in the negative are people in red states. They're white, non-college educated, um, red state, rural folks. We have a lot of those. 
in St. And Texas. they tend to vote Republican. Yeah. So, um, Ross, on the redistricting, could go from one Congress question to another on the redistricting ruling that came out late Friday. How dare they give us a Friday night during South by Southwest news dump? I went to a movie. I came back. They did a ruling. I wrote about it. It was great. It was great. Perfect timing. Um, Humble well. brag. I can go to movies <laughs> yeah. and write stories at the same time. Do, does this matter? Is this only a piece of a puzzle that we've not seen the full picture of we yet? Haven't, we haven't seen the full picture yet. Right. They ruled that three seats in the original congressional maps for Texas were in, are invalid. Heard, Doggett, and Farenthold, right? Right. Yeah. And two of those exist in the current interim maps in the same form. So presumably the congressional map is illegal. They haven't ruled yet on the Texas House map. The Texas Senate map is long settled. So, and the court didn't order a remedy. So they didn't say you got to do X or you got to do Y or you got to do Z. So everybody's sort of like hanging fire right now. They're waiting to see what they say about the House and whether they order remedies. Once they order remedies, then the engines start and we're off to the races. One thing they could order here, the ruling says that they intentionally discriminated. Doesn't say they maliciously, wasn't necessarily malicious intent, but it was intent just the same. Can I stop? stop. What does intentional discrimination that's not malicious mean? (laughs) They did it on accident. But you said it was intentional. They intentionally did it on accident. And the way that that you do that in, in this legal term is you draw these lines only with partisan things in mind, but the effect of that is racial. I didn't mean to discriminate against so, blacks and Hispanics. I, I had meant no to idea. discriminate against Democrats. Right. That's, so exactly, that quali- that's exactly the argument. So that and would they, qualify as intentional, but that's not That's not even malicious. ironic. That's the argument that they made in open court. Well, I'm sure it's hilarious to some well, people. So, right? yeah. so anyway, so that opens the possibility that the courts could say you intentionally discriminated. From now on, you have to be, your plans, your changes to voting and election law in Texas have to be pre-approved by the federal government before you can put them in effect. In other words, you're going to go back under the umbrella of the Voting Rights Act. And that's so really the big thing, the, another umbrella. This is a big umbrella. And it's yeah. where Texas and other southern states were after the is Voting Jeff Rights Act Sessions and the Civil is... Rights Act were passed in the 60s. It doesn't matter what Jeff Sessions says. The courts order this. Right, but you think the DOJ is, going to, is not going to figure so, out some way to well, release Texas from purgatory on this? But they so could the question set a on court, this, so, so Greg Abbott played court. this game. Sorry? Well, they could set an actual court as the— Person who the people who oversee this. Greg right? Abbott played the same game when he was attorney general. So Texas, in those days, had to f- go through preclearance. And Abbott looked at this when he was attorney general and said, "You know, I don't want to go to the Obama jo- Department of Justice for preclearance, so I'm going to go to court instead." Just the same way, the states could go to, or the cities, or the counties, or whoever's on the box. Um, the defendants can ask, go to court instead of the DOJ. I don't want right. to go to Jeff Sessions. I want to go to the DC Circuit. So on a scale of one to five. With one being no change and five being cataclysm, uh, where is this for Will Hurd, Lloyd Doggett, and Blake Farenthold as it relates to the re-election battle of 2018 to come? I would say Hurd is probably going to be in about the same situation one way or the other. He was, in, a, a, he was in a 50-50. A He's in a 50-50, mm-hmm. right? That's it's it. A, it's a swing district. Right. Um, you know, for Doggett, this is either hold or improve. improve. And for Farenthold, it's either hold or decline or worse yeah i mean it's a it could be an existential threat to him he's right. got a weird district it goes from corpus christi all the way to bastrop you right. know you have to go that far to get people in if they and the other problem is that if you're in you know say bill flores's district just to pick on somebody yeah if they change farenthold or doggett or farenthold and doggett mm-hmm. you're probably going to ripple into bill flores's district right. that district right. over here the, that the, district over the, there the kind of uh, uh 
game theory here that I'm going through, Patrick and Alexa, is what happens if, because of this ruling now, we have to deal with this redistricting issue in this session? And what if to deal with this, this issue session, in the, yeah. it, you think it could be or it won't be? Won't be. You think there's no chance? So my, I, my game theory is irrelevant. Skinny, skinny <laughs> chance. You know the you got ninety. You got less than Just ninety like days Lloyd left Douglas in the district. session. You're right. waiting for the court to rule, for right. the state to appeal, and find out that yeah, you do have to draw a map. Well, well my, my my skinny chance was what if because of this having to be dealt with. You just want a special session. We go to a special <laughs> session, and all of a sudden now a bunch of the stuff that couldn't pass during the regular gets loaded onto the call in the in the special, and a bunch of legislation that was dead. Returns what, from the but dead. Abbott would have to do that. Only if the governor wants to. Only if the governor wants to. Right. All right. Oh, last, last uh, uh, thing I want to talk about before we end. Uh, speaking of Will Hurd, is this Thelma and Louise like <laughs> road trip? Yeah. I think it's too much to expect them to kiss and drive off a cliff. I don't know. They could. Um, it's, but it hasn't happened it yet, happen. so it's actually yeah, possible. It it's actually also like the worst episode of True Detective ever, the two of them driving <laughs> I, I like it. I stayed up way too late last night catching Watch, up on some of those videos. Are you just sort of watching it? I will admit that. They're like singing bad Motown. What are they What are they doing? And, and eating donuts and kolaches? Um, I didn't. They actually, I think they skipped the, the kolaches, part. actually. They talked well, about the kolaches. Aurora didn't, didn't want to stop again. My favorite part, if I remember the details of this correctly, was they stopped at Whataburger and Will ate Beto's hamburger with onions and pickles <laughs> and was like, wow, I like onions and pickles. Oh, there's nothing worse right? than realizing yeah. you yeah, have yeah, pickles yeah. in your burger. Green eggs and ham. You're not a pickle person? I mean, onions. You're not an onion person? Not in my burgers. Give me a break. <laughs> this is your... I don't like a lot. Of, I don't like a lot of pickles on burgers. Just, You're the two just or like three. a, a nice three. Whataburger pickles also aren't great. We, <laughs> wait, we waited 25 <laughs> minutes for this trip cast to go to shit. Normally it goes to shit <laughs> no, within the first five minutes. First question, I think. Um, the intro. Would, would, would you acknowledge Patrick and others that this from there? Others. Yeah. Hello, others. Well, I don't. want to leave this just to Patrick. Anybody jump in? That this is actually, from a PR standpoint, kind of a. a to return to Jessica Farrar, a stroke of genius. Absolutely, I think it's it's smart. I mean, these are these are two members of Congress from Texas who have relatively uh, low profiles, perhaps O'Rourke more than Heard. We we hear about Heard a lot every two years when he runs for reelection. Um, but and you know, O'Rourke is looking at challenging, likely to challenge Ted Cruz for uh, for Senate reelection. Um, you know, and I think it's yeah, it's a smart definitely, and it comes at a time when uh, members of Congress are facing a lot of questions about accessibility to their constituents. Now, this isn't a lie. Remember that the Democrats person. would say, "Well, Will Hurd won't do an in-person town hall. He can't. He's, he's in a car. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's copping out because, yeah. because Beto has kidnapped him. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. Of course, and it's not, it's not a live, live in-person town hall. There's a bomb under there. the under the Impala. It's the man act. We can't take him across. How do you get stuck with a '99 Chevy Impala when you go rent a car? You are the cheapest people. I've ever met. <laughs> Upgrade. <laughs> you're, you're renting from the wrong company. Right. But but also they've ended up on like every TV show. They were like FaceTiming with SpongeBob. Yeah, yesterday, of course. Right? They're on like every TV show for the last 24 hours too. Right. The they, guy who signed. Yeah. Did I hear the guy who signed our expense accounts just tell us to upgrade? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's exactly what he said. We mandate. have a deal. Yeah. Get a deal. Um, is there any downside, Alexa Ross, for these guys? I think the Republicans in Washington are probably unhappy with Will Hurd giving Beto O'Rourke. 24 hours of airtime. Wind beneath his wings. But, yeah. you know, I don't think it matters. I think both these guys are, you know, successfully running against the idea that you have to be a partisan douchebag to be in Congress. <laughs> you don't. Alexa, have you been out to see the partisan douchebags during South by Southwest? That sounds like a great band name. <laughs> I, I have not. I am avoiding that as much as possible. Though I did go to this like weird Great Britain party, and their their slogan was "Welcome to Great," and all I could think of is that they were trolling Donald Trump's "Make America Great Again." They might have been. Yes. Welcome to great. 
Well, if we're talking about trolling, we have, in fact, come full circle. Back to Jessica <laughs> Ferrara, indeed. All right, that's where we're going to stop because we've probably gone on too long anyway. Um, if you have questions or comments, please send them to tribcast at texastribune.org. I want to thank Shiny Ribs for our great music uh, every week uh, on the Trimcast. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next week. And Emily will be back, thank God, and be back in his chair. So on behalf of Ross, Alexa, Patrick, Bobby, and Todd, I'm Evan. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Well, there's some Lone Star legislation would put a tax on masturbation, and I want to say that's just asking for a fight. Those lawmakers better get a grip, or some cowboy is going to flip. They want to take away another right. I read it in the state constitution, the clause guaranteeing self-pollution. A man may pollute himself with all his might. And if he's on the range and lonely, and he's his own one and only, his only companion through the long desert night, then I pity the Texas Ranger who rides up on this stranger and tries to find his natural appetite. So Texans, call your legislators and tell them you're onastic liberators. Let the Lone Star shine alone again tonight. That's a poem by Kevin McCaffrey, a Massachusetts poet who was writing to Trib Talk in response to Jessica Farrar's bill. It's called Let the Lone Star Shine Alone Again Tonight.